Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, bots and cons to Tech Talk, the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Scott of VectorSigma.info. How you doing, Scott? Good. You're surviving the uh, the downtime on Facebook the, that the entire world is in an uproar over? Sort of. I mean, I don't think we're going to have the live audience we usually do, which is, you know, unfortunate, but otherwise, we're good. Yeah, we'll... Uh, We'll make do. Uh, hopefully a bunch of people have all our followers and stuff or, or everybody's following us on Twitter and they can pick it up there. If not, well, recording will be up as it always is religiously on Monday morning. So barring now that I say that out loud, something will happen. But right. <laughs> of course, because that's how it works. So uh, we actually have hypothetically a shorter show for you this time. Because we don't have a gazillion spoilers to go through. There wasn't a humongous amount of news, either new cards coming out or new announcements or new events or whatever. So we wanted to actually revisit, air quote, some old stuff. Because the old stuff is still pretty good. And just because we got new toys doesn't mean that the old ones are now broken or should be thrown away. So... I guess we can dive right into it unless you had anything in particular you wanted to cover right off the top. No, I guess just by the time we recorded this, like you had an event last week, which I think we'll kind of touch on through the, some of the, the right. decks that people played. Um, and then as of the people that are hearing this, um, after the fact, we'll have had another case tournament this weekend, which we're hoping to have a decent turnout. So yep. we're definitely look for some <clears throat> probably uh, interviews, gameplay videos and things like that for next week from that event. Awesome. So, Scott, I'm looking at the chat right now. There's one person in there. Uh, they're a. They're not actually in the chat, like as a registered person on Twitch. So, do you know what you're playing? It, the secret is safe. No one will know until this goes live. <laughs> uh, as it stands right now, the only deck I really have completely put together is an aerial bot deck that I'm thinking about running. Mm -hmm. um, I think I just don't want to run uh, the updated. Uh, three wide prime deck that I usually would run. Um, I don't still don't own a star scream. I have to borrow one of yours or take Palmer's or something. So I don't think I'm going to run that. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, but I may. I don't know. Like I'm going to see how this aerial bot deck tests uh, tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what we're recording now on Wednesday, so that we can play test on Thursday. So right. Um, it'll be one of these. I mean, I I'd really like to see how the aerial bot list does. Um, I just like to see it in like quote like real a real situation yeah get used to some of the inter get used to some of the interactions um because i've been kind of impressed with watching it play out i just want to uh actually try it so right yeah i'm in the same boat i definitely want to try something new even new from what i played this past weekend uh which again we'll talk about in a little while but Aerial Bots is on my list. Actually, surprisingly, Predacons are on my list. Uh, I'm trying a different Sentinels build because although the orange one was showing promise, it isn't really thrilling me right now. Uh, but I may fall back to one of the old faithful lists. I'm not sure because there is actually some that we're going to be talking about on tonight's show that are in the cards potentially. So we'll have to cool. see how it shakes out. Uh, I'm hoping that I can make it to test with you guys tomorrow because I do want to run this against another human being see how they do but i guess we can get right into it so the first one on the chopping block mark from team vector sigma actually wrote something a couple weeks ago now i guess and that's an update on bugs so on screen we have one of the 
old bug list. So this is a wave one list. This is not the updated one. You can head on over to VectorSigma.info to get the updated list. But there is a scrolling bar on the side of some of the cards that we're going to be talking about. And the first one that I happen to be looking at is Mining Pick, which feels like an obvious include in any orange deck. Uh, is this one living up to the hype for you, Scott? Because I know this was on your list of cards to look out for, cards to watch. Yeah, um, before we get into the specifics of this deck, let's just take a step back and just sure. explain like why we're starting here. I think it's just important in any new metagame to not ignore what there was in the previous metagame and that what um, what new cards will add or change or make way better uh, old decks that existed. Um, yes. I think, I think in a game like this, and this is not my first... It's not your first rodeo. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's it's not my first character-driven game. I think they operate. I think I actually think that the um, like the for lack of a better term, like the games that are pure battle card based, like with no permanent in play type characters, like the way Transformers has it, tend to lend themselves actually more to a. It, it, people seem to be more open to a updating old lists with new cards than just looking at changing the entire thing wholesale i think in this game as it saying. was in other, as in other games they they always want to just play with the new toys and the new toys a lot of times are the new characters um, right but for me i mean there are some of these decks do have different characters in them that we played before some of them have wave one characters that we didn't see play uh in these lists before and will now right. see more play because of the battle cards that interact with them i think it's just important to understand again which we've talked about many times the synergy between the battle deck and the characters that you use, and that a, ch a radical change in any one of them, and, and we're doubling the number of battle cards, um, they will likely fit more easily into decks than doubling the number of character cards doesn't always have that same effect. Right. It, so, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, I think it's just important for to start the discussion of how the metagame is changing, which is mostly what we talk about on this podcast right. by revisiting old strategies and updating them as a point of reference to start uh, where you should start some of your testing. And that makes sense. It, it's, I definitely agree with what you're saying that the, the characters naturally draw people's attention, but obviously changing out even single parts, whether it's in the battle deck or the character can radically modify how you're going to play a certain matchup play the deck in general, where it fits within the metagame, that sort of thing. And it, I think, to not again, to repeat the exact same thing that you said, but it's important to set this bedrock and you're not trying to build a foundation on sand. Obviously, we know the Wave 1 cards significantly better than we're going to know any of the Wave 2 cards because we've just had more time to adapt to them. Now, that's not to say that we've explored every potential and hypothetical scenario, but we've clearly seen them more frequently and for a longer period of time, so now we can actually have a staging point moving forward. Again, not to rehash literally everything Scott said, but it, just re putting it a slightly different way. Yeah, I think there are certain rules that were established during Wave 1 mm. that like rules of the way you build your battle decks, ways that you build your character lineups that will have to change. And I think most people have not, I'm not even positive what all they, what, what they are. Um, but we talked about it at length last podcast about what our, mm -hmm. our conversation about green, about how, how much longer 
filling out a battle deck will take you because of how many different <laughs> one ofs there are. So absolutely, even just that alone, I think will continue to evolve over time. So yep, there definitely seems to be a lot more decision points, and that will cause certain cards to be more or less powerful because there may be a greater number of we'll call them edge cases, but because they may be different scenarios, but certain cards are going to shine there. And because of the greens or other additions that are coming in from wave two, you could now blow your opponent out simply because you're set up for a press your advantage turn or something along those lines. Yeah. I think the key to remember is that you're always still going to be restrained outside of the ability to, to change these rules by the number of actions and upgrades you can play in a turn. So despite how mm. much easier it may seem to to have a hold of, of these, you still want to make sure that those two phases of every single turn are being utilized at their max. So you have a card, for example, like I, I've I've grown I've grown much fonder of the green action cards because they while on the surface they seem less powerful than their colored or non colored pip um equivalents like if you for example if you if you compare like a, a smelt to a a ramming speed or a vaporize or you compare a a secret dealings to a to an incoming transmission neither of them hold water but if you can play these in low lesser quantities in your deck you're you're getting the same effect but your your ability to draw it so therefore your ability to actually have an action to do every single turn right is much more increased so yeah the consistency has definitely improved as a result of that which i guess on the surface that seems obvious because yeah you can just go get them but the way it influences your turns and mapping out your turns whether it's just literally being able to play something next turn as opposed to holding two upgrades now you have an action and upgrade or it's now an ideal turn because you can set something up with mining pick or whatever. Yeah. I just think people need to understand during any type of play testing or watching videos and things like that, like try to try to, or when you're, when you're playing tournament games or anything like that, like keep in the back of your mind, how many games you won or lost based on who had the most efficient turns by using all their phases effectively. And right. If the answer is the person that had the most phases used them more effectively, like just basically played more cards than their opponent, then in all likelihood they won. Like then you should probably consider adding some more green to your decks to make sure that you can take advantage of that. And as we go through these old lists being updated, I think you're going to see a lot of that. Right, and that's absolutely true. It, a lot of them do have I don't want to say game breaking, but exceptionally powerful effects anyway. So there's the temptation to include them to begin with because they do something good. But at the same time, I agree with you that some, I, I hesitate to say this because it may be a half step too far, but it's almost as though, even if it's a mediocre play, just by virtue of being able to do two things, a turn, every turn is worth it in a lot of scenarios because as you said, it, it's just you're making the most use out of all your phases as opposed to just giving up half your turn to your opponent for free. Right. Uh, which is something that is subtly influencing games. And like you said, a lot of people may not realize that, oh yeah, I lost that game because my Insecticon opponent played two cards every turn. They played an upgrade and a burn spell or an upgrade and incoming transmission or upgrade and whatever every single turn and therefore blew you out. It's not just, oh, well, that's Insecticons. It's because they played two cards a turn, and maybe your whole hand was glutted with, you know, not garbage, but 
you just could only play, you know, your one armor a turn or whatever it happened to be. Right. Exactly. So I guess uh, enough pontificating to <laughs> in general. I guess we'll we'll talk about the specifics. Speaking of Insecticons, um, so as I said at the start before Scott rightly pulled me back, I got a little excited jumping in. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I, I'm serious. Like, it, it's better to preface it with that. Um, Mark did write something up a while ago on VectorSigma.info with some initial thoughts on how he felt, because I always jokingly call him the bug man because he's played it at so many events, and he really does know the deck inside and out. And while I disagreed initially with some of this stuff, and not to the extent of, oh, well, he's clearly wrong about card X or card Y or numbers, however they broke down. I've been running pretty close to what he posted. And for most cases, it's still, it's a good bar to start with because it's beating the snot out of a lot of things that I'm trying out, which is good because it's keeping me honest instead of just adding a thousand decks to our spreadsheet, which I'm doing anyway. Um, (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Uh, because I'm I'm an idea guy. I like to go out there and be creative. I'm gonna oh, if yeah. I have an idea, I'm putting it out there. <laughs> um, but anyway, so some of the things that we've talked about before is, is consistency, and I think that's what a lot of the new cards do for this deck. Now, one I, I'm realizing as I'm watching them rotate by is I forgot to include espionage, which is seemingly snuck into virtually every deck that I'm playing. Um, but I'm not sure it, it's in this still, but we'll see. It's some, it, I'm running it, and that's where I'm I'm varying a little bit. I do have one, maybe two. I think I might have cut a crown for it, and I'm not sure that that's correct. Um, I might be like one or two cards different from what he had posted. But let me hand it over to you, Scott, because I've been rambling a, a lot about not a whole lot. So, what stands out to you about the new stuff? Why do you think Bugs is still positioned well? I mean, the reason they're still positioned well is the reason they were getting Wave 1, which is their characters, specifically Barrage, um, and Kickback offensively and Scrapnel um, defensively are standouts at their cost and allows you to run a four-character team with only really one underachieving member of the team, especially when when you're uh, going first. Uh, I think what helps the deck a lot is less dependence on bold and more dependent on guaranteed damage. Right. So you have Erratic Lightning instead of, technically instead of the Ironheart Blaster, which was also guaranteed damage, but because you're not running Ransack anymore and you're running Chop Shop over it, the, the, the quote downside of Ironhide Blaster being on Ransack, which was actually a helper, uh, right. is no longer relevant. Mm-hmm. And the downside of erratic lightning is almost is virtually zero in the deck. So yeah, um, it's funny how it works when the guys have zero defense, <laughs> or they have like one and they're going to get one shot in anyway. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like kickback, he's going to get in there, but once he does, he's kind of a sitting duck. Right. So um, you have that. You have reckless charge, which is to me a pure upgrade over supercharge uh, in a deck like this. You have. Um, you have Mighty Pick as an upgrade to Flamethrower, uh, making the improvised shields in your hand uh, much more relevant, which ups the power level of Treasure Hunt to run a full set of them, because now you don't care if you hit the, quote, like, insignificant up- upgrades like Improvised Shield 
or like redundant copies of other things because you can always just mind you pick them to the top of the deck. So the point is there's a lot more there's a lot of easier ways to just get guaranteed damage. Right. As opposed to bold base damage, which still has an air of variability to it, especially in a deck where you're running like six blanks and you know, a certain number of whites were creeping in there and things like that. So right. I think the plan helps a lot. The, the, the ability of a deck as planned, especially when you're running like crown outside of a um, star scream deck to again, just give you redundancy in a deck like this for getting the card you want on top. Um, obviously the blank cards still remain extremely powerful in this list. Your one shall stand, one shall fall. And your, um, I still functions are obviously extremely powerful in this deck because of the inborn, nature of the characters which which was what really makes i still function powerful by any other reason to be honest with you um so like none of that stuff has changed you just have more impressive guaranteed damage as opposed to bold base is the way that i i see it so being, uh, better to add on to that because i definitely agree with everything you were saying the and we're probably going to bring this card up a lot but bashing shield has been one of the big things i know as a result of all of the Optimus decks, whether it was the original Optimus ne Nemesis builds or it became All Hail Optimus or whatever it happened to be from Wave 1, this deck was forced to include things like ramming speeds that both you and Mark and a number of other Vector Sigma team members have said that they're not happy with. Whether it's that, it's debilitating crystal, some sort of answer because you have to respect it to an extent. Yes, you have burn and yes, you can randomly go oh, well, I'll barrage and deal like 15. It, mm -hmm. But it isn't, as you said, super consistent, even with those additions. And I think, again, the consistency of Bashing Shield radically changing how everybody should be thinking about armor. Because flat out, if you have a single character and you're banking on them just carrying the weight of your deck, because they have body armor on them, or they have reinforced plating, or they have whatever, you're probably going to be in for a bad day. Because your opponent is going to blow you out with a bashing shield. And it it changes the way the rest of the meta should be reacting, but like what decks you're playing. But here it also gives you a consistent answer. Because for the most part, just like you were saying earlier, Scott, if your guys are dying in one hit, you don't care about removing armor. You might care, or excuse me, uh, removing weapons. You might care about utilities, but armor is mainly the focus because you just want to get them out of the way and get in there. So Bashing Shield does all of those things and also gives you an outlet in the event that you can't find a pick to go toss some of those extra things to, to cycle them if you really wanted to. Yeah, that's an important point that I didn't make about um, Bashing Shield. The other thing, to, the way I look at it, in, especially in this deck, is it's basically at least doing two damage to the worst armor they could possibly be playing in like a tough two type armor. Right. Um, you're saving yourself on average a little more than two damage. That's only in one attack. Um, it's even worse when like they have that armor on a guy. Oh, on a wheel turn. <laughs> you're going to feel yeah, real yeah, bad on it. Yeah. They're protecting more than one mm. uh, attack with it. So um, at minimum, you should look at it like it's giving a guy plus two. Cause I know people don't, people are probably like, I mean, it seems I, sh I see it show up in a lot of lists, so I'm sure it's not as... I'm, I'm sure I might be, you know, defending the card when it doesn't need to be, but, I mean, there is something to be said for, like, 
I don't need the armor on my guy. So, like, what am I really getting out of it? It's like you're basically getting a you're you're getting basically like a a long term damage card in your hand, right? If you want to look at it that way. So, because the armor is probably not gonna, it's not going to do virtually anything in this deck. I mean, I, I'll, I'll be highly impressed if the plus one armor actually saves a guy from from death at any one point. But I mean, um, it, it does every once in a blue moon. I mean, as you'd expect, just going from if you played on chop shop now he has three armor you know like mm-hmm. it, those or randomly kick back having two armor and then now if you're not punching him with an optimus or punching him with whatever your big guy is your midi midi medium slash small character may just not do enough depending you know if you're like a blue deck yeah you're you're correct that often it, it's irrelevant but Every once in a blue moon. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I did, as I had said in my dissertation earlier, that a lot of the newer stuff that I'm throwing into this, and I had mentioned it in my, uh, the Sunstorm write-up that I did. The, usually the way I approach a new meta is I want to find the best aggro deck, which we kind of already knew from wave one, and then just throw things at it to see what has a chance to get over the hump. And then go from there, because to me, if I can't, and this isn't a great metric, but it's usually the the rule of thumb I have for it. If I can't go at least 50-50 on the draw against the the premier aggro deck, I want, it It has to do something crazy in other matchups or just be so warping that it, I will accept losing that many because I anticipate you're still going to see a whole lot of Insecticon players at any given event. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Um, I think it. I think the one thing that needs to be seen, though, is I. I just don't know how well they really match up with certain against certain combiner teams because those combiner teams have, with the exception of Sentinels and like Dreadwing, um, more characters than you do, um, mm-hmm. and and like your 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 shrapnel and in this case Chop Shop can kind of be exposed as being like honestly could be weaker than some of the combiner pieces at times. Right. So um, you really only have two decent, I mean, I guess Shrapnel, it's decently hit, hitting characters, but mm. um, depending on the combiner team, that, that, that could be their one. I haven't played or seen a lot of matches with that. Mm. Um, I've seen it against Sentinels, but that plays out more like a normal deck. Yeah, so, Sentinels, at least an aggressive Sentinels build, feels not unlike Dinobots, just you don't have Grimlock. Right. Because you're you're a bunch of medium-sized guys smashing into the bugs, and they have more guys. Uh, yeah, you're just able to get additional actions throughout the, or action phases throughout the yeah. turn through the use of the flips. So, the, yeah. so far, and again, it's still early, what I've found a lot of the time going against bugs with com- various different combiner teams we're talking specifically five wide ones. So your right. your Menosaurs, right. your Superions, your Predacons, that sort of thing. Is it's kind of contingent on how many burn spells the bug player has, which to me, the more I think about it logically makes sense that now they are the 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 short end of the stick as far as number of characters. So they need a burn spell to try and turn the tide. Because otherwise, right. say, you're probably not turn one killing the Combiner's Brave guy, for example. Like, it's possible, but even against the Predacons, like, if you're 
swinging in with Scrapnel, you flip for seven. They soak three. They're taking four before, Minimum. yeah, before, you know, if they, if they're playing blues or whatever. So therefore you need that burn spell for when they inevitably send out the brave guy to try and protect other characters. And I, I, for me, I don't know if I'm comfortable just saying, oh, well, I'm just going to cross my fingers and say that Insecticons is not going to draw a burn spell. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think the other, the, the other, there's other minor negatives. Like it could actually be possible that Barrage's Bolt Two does not activate because that's also true. Any of your, any of your guys, you could attack are either undamaged or are already dead against these combiner teams. So yep. it could it could almost be a liability that some of your characters are dead because your 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 second main attacker just isn't anymore. He's just another scrap now, basically. That <laughs> right. <laughs> that is also so true, and, and it has come up. It has come up. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Um. Any other thoughts on bugs before we move on to cars? No, I, I still have no problem using them as the test aggro deck, like you said. So, um, mm-hmm. they and at, at our first at the first event, um, they still top forward. So, yep, it still did really mean bug things because you know, yeah. bugs can be mean. <laughs> uh, so, moving on from there, we have a cars list. So, this was the list that we have up on screen, as it's indicated, is actually from pre packs. So, it. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, well, I just pulled one off of <laughs> off the site, so um, I didn't even use mine. <laughs> so the uh, point being is that I expect, and even if it wasn't this particular list, which happens to be an older one, it's just, I think there's going to be a lot of changes to cars in general. Yeah. The first one that I wanted to highlight is, because Insecticons, yes, we have the Ransack for Chop Shop change, but... Honestly, it's it's just a fourth dude that fits in the slot. It's a fourth bug. In cars, getting the new Bumblebee actually matters. Yeah, it matters against... Um, it matters, I think, in what you want the deck to be doing, although it's not as... So, I think what people will wind up noticing is an ideal draw with any cars deck will probably prefer to have the old Bumblebee because everything's working out for you. You're getting the upgrades you need. You're getting the mm. untap effects you need. So right. it's like, oh, I'd rather attack whoever I want. The problem is is that that's only going to happen a small, a smaller than 50% of the time. So yeah. I'd rather have the the more powerful in a vacuum character like than the more powerful if everything goes right for me character in the new Bumblebee versus the old one. I would agree with you. It and before the show, I was trying to both play devil's advocate and really work out for myself. Am I comfortable ditching the super rare one for the common one? And yeah, I, I struggle to... It, the, it's so important for this deck to find the untap effects. It's so important for you to find certain things that just drawing two extra cards and getting that much closer is super important. That's before you get into... Oh, well, I'll have some weird wombo turn where I start your engines, flip my whole team, get to play an extra action, do this other thing, and and go nuts. Like, I'm not, right. I'm not even worried about that because, yes, that'll happen, but I don't think at this stage it's worth trying to set up for. W- one of the other draws that, for me, is he just ha- the new Bumblebee just has higher raw attack stats, which it didn't come up a whole lot in Wave 1, but it's... 
it did matter that Bumblebee's, super rare Bumblebee's attack stats weren't spectacular. Now it feels as though you actually have two threats. So Wheeljack and Bumblebee, as opposed to before where it's, okay, I feel like I'm really leaning on Wheeljack to get any relevant work done. I would agree. Now, the, as far as new additions, there's a few up here that Scott had mentioned, or, well, not here, but previously, uh, it's that are rotating through there. We have our, our back, bleh, our bashing shield again, because, again, it's something that I think is going to show up everywhere, but confidence is one of the other ones that we have talked at length about. It, In addition to Bumblebee, and again, those Wombo turns, it just feels like you... I don't know if cars... It can clearly win without hitting the untap effects, but it certainly doesn't feel that way. So confidence does everything you need. Is that how you feel about it, Scott? Yeah, it's just it doesn't feel as good when you don't need it, but if you when you don't have what you need, it's just going to dig you further and um, allow you to play the action that you're looking for usually in starter engines. Right. Are there any, what are the other things that stood out to you from Wave Two that you're excited about slamming in there besides confidence and the Bumblebee? So their weakest matchup was against the armor-based deck, so Bashing Shield really helps here. Mm -hmm. um, besides the fact that this this deck sees more cards and yep. um, with its untap effect allows for more attacks throughout a round, so like, you have a better chance of just seeing green cards as well as the, um, the Wheeljack um, having Bold built in will also help with that. Right. Uh, just, again, using Bold as a, as a card-sifting engine uh no pun intended just helps out a lot uh, right there um reckless charge they also make great use of again over supercharge in later list um the now that's something before uh, you move on to pick your brain mm -hmm. about reckless charge because i think a lot of people are going to have this reaction it it makes sense in bugs as we said kickback especially if you put erratic lightning or whatever on them Look, he's, he's just going to die to a stiff breeze. You know, the, someone's going to look at him funny and he's going to get squashed. Here, your characters are, are approaching or are at, you know, Optimus Prime Battlefield Legend or not quite Nemesis Prime levels of health. But let me ask the question because I'm sure a lot of people listening out there or watching are going to ask it as well. Do you feel that it is cutting down on too many or too causing the amount of turns that you will survive to decrease by such an amount that it actually matters. Because I could see, say, Wheeljack getting two-shot, because your opponent's probably going to target him. You know, if they're going first, they're going to run into him, put some damage on him. You reckless charge him at some point, and then he just dies to the follow-up attack. Are you okay with that? Or are you, like, it's just play better sort of thing? I don't think it's going to create enough situations where it's going to be relevant and you could probably play your way out of them mm -hmm. um, and just not play it if you need to. I mean, for now I have it in there as a three of and test versions, but I mean, if it, if it, if that winds up happening a lot where it doesn't wind up being worth it, um, I could cut it down to a two of, I would never cut it completely. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't ever see yourself going back to like going back to supercharge, for example. No, because the deck's most important card is blue. Um, older versions of the deck, during wave one should have ran uh, some number of energon axes and some amount of direct damage so you already had or and or i still functions which i didn't usually run a lot of in the deck but people did mm. um so you already have 
a built-in, I would say, somewhere between six and eight off-color attack cards. Right. Um, as it stands. So, like, Supercharge is not going to hit um, for more than three, three or more as often. And this is a guaranteed four damage. Right. So, I, I think it's, to me, I, I can't fathom any aggro deck not running it personally. Um so I can't see how it, it shouldn't see play here as well. I think it also plays into your comment earlier where Bashing Shield definitely helps against the blue base matchups that had given cars a lot of anxiety prior to this. That guaranteed four damage, again, if you can't find that Bashing Shield for some bizarre reason or whatever the scenario happens to be, this helps you just go to for the high score and just push through the armor as opposed to supercharge where it's just you know maybe you'll do it and and don't forget that the the this this card is extremely good because of the new bumblebee so like what it allows you to do in this deck which you couldn't do before in the old versions of the cars you had to make a decision what am i going to do this turn am i going to untap am i going to this is assuming like it would start your engines and not turbo boosters mm. um like am I, what am i going to use my action phase for am i going to untap Am I going to pump my guy? Am I going to um, get a flip effect? You know, with with rollout. Am I going to? I don't know. Insert. Am I going to destroy? In a, you know, an upgrade like insert. Am I going to treasure hunt? Like a, insert non damage based things. I'm going to do. Yeah. Now with the new bumblebee, you can do two things. So to me, reckless charge becomes so ubiquitous where you can pretty much do it on command because you're going to be playing more actions every single right. turn than you used to. So that's the other reason I really like it is because you, it, it's, it, it's a combat ability. You're almost banking on always having, and there's other new cards that assist that as well. Right. Um, but I think that, I think that's where it, it helps out a lot too, is it, it just makes that decision of like, I'm definitely going to play a combat spell and it's just going to, you know, combat action is just going to happen all the time. So right. that's why I like it also. Now, one of the things that, I don't know if other people are going away from, but flip effects, because you were discussing Bumblebee's additional action ability. Uh, obviously, in prior iterations, you would get Super Air Bumblebee's ability to hit the back line, so to speak. Uh, Prowl will buff your team. Do you see the deck continuing to lean into that, I'm just going to flip everybody all the time plan? Or do you think it's going more towards... Now I'm just an aggro deck, and I play a lot of oranges, and then I get untaps as my quirk. I don't think you need rollout. Um, potentially, definitely not a place out of them because. So, I still think swinging with Bumblebee on turn one, flip Bumblebee and attack is always going to be your play. Pitch a pitch an action, draw two cards. Well, now I'm you're more likely to go find something to keep them alive. Right. Um. In this situation, if your play on turn two is to, let's just assume like you have starter engines, of course, um, is to flip prowl, and then your first action is rollout, which allows your, you know, or your first action is, yeah, I guess it would have to be like rollout here in this situation. Like, what are you really gaining out of the deal? Like, unless you have a, if you have a turbo booster to then play on, on the bumblebee, like, yes, he has the bolt two built in, and you can play another action. Mm-hmm. But it's not as powerful as being able to like it was. It was necessary in the old version because 
you wanted to attack where you wanted to, not where they wanted you to attack. So, like, it became extremely necessary to do that with Super Rare Bumblebee. In this situation, you're essentially just gaining the flip effect back by getting the action back with, with Bumblebee. All you're really doing is getting the the Prowl Bold 2, but you're losing the ability to flip another character or do something else. So right. I don't think it's as powerful at all um, as it was uh, the first time. You know, I, mm-hmm. Like, through Wave 1, just because ultimately in this situation, all does in that situation by playing an extra action is just replaces the action you played to get yourself in that situation to begin with at least yeah. in starter engine's case you can untap a guy yeah i'm not sure it's worth just saying okay give my team bolt two especially on turn two i mean that's not exactly right. setting the world on fire but you so the, this is the other question that comes up aside from the reckless charge thing that that's all over the place and we did cover it a little bit already but you don't feel that it's worth because it, it, one of the things you've said before, I think it was you, maybe it was somebody else that said to me that the advantage cars had against, say, Bugs, the deck we were just talking about, was getting being able to get in with Super Rare Bumblebee on that barrage or kickback that they're protecting throughout the course of the game. You, you're comfortable giving that up for the ability to push these other actions. Yeah, because I don't think that that was what allowed you to win that matchup necessarily. Mm-hmm. I, I just think you were doing the same thing as them with better stats on the back end that allowed you to survive attacks even from them. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so I, I just I just think that you are still ahead in that matchup regardless. And the the this flip will allow you to just play um more direct damage in a turn and in a turn cycle than than um than before. So like I, I'm not advocating. I, I'm still using direct damage. I'm, I think I'm even using more because of marksmanship. Right. Um, so, like, if you go first, your your action is still going to be attack, kickback, and you could. I mean, it's possible. You know, kill him in one shot, especially <laughs> with these six six attack versus Exa- five. It, it's yeah. more realistic. Mm-hmm. And um, even if it's not, you can that one shall stand later on, or you know, whatever. Right. You're you're probably. Right. Because if you were to flip, you know, just playing two oranges, that's eight. He's taking seven out of nine health. Marksmanship or one shall stand just offs him right now. Well, marksmanship won't off him right there. That's the problem. With the well, it, I mean, he's going to flip at some point. It, I guess, it, yes, I phrased it wrong. But he, it's going to, you're not going to have to burn a later attack on it. You can just right. remove him. Right. So that's why I don't think it's that big of a deal because I think you're still an advantage here as it is mm-hmm. um it's not just it's just not as easy because you can't you can't avoid scrapnel you just don't have to, you just don't have to waste a bunch of attacks on them that's why i'm that's why i'm that's why i still have one shell stand in the deck that's why i still have um marksmanship and you know added marksmanship mm-hmm. to the deck which of course adds more blues um because i still think scrapnel's a pain in the ass but um well that's that hard to do he <laughs> I could be playing the matchup wrong because I'm not nearly as good at playing cards as you are. You've definitely been playing it longer as well. Uh, I've always struggled with the Bugs matchup in general. And it, again, it's probably because I'm playing it wrong, but it's... Scrapnel has been one of the major issues where because he requires so many attacks, and maybe it's just a matter of me not seeing the burn spells, uh, because of that, I'm... 
And I have to see how it plays against other decks, whether one shell stand is completely necessary now. This is going back to the argument of having reckless charge alongside one shell stand. And am I now actually crippling myself due to the the self-inflicted damage? But you have an out in the Bumblebee to just pitch one of them and draw two cards. Yes. So whichever one's not good in the matchup, just pitch. Right. I'm not saying that it... it, Yeah, I'm not saying that it's... You know, this is bad for that reason. It's just a concern that I have because of... Okay, well, now I'm... Am I putting too much damage on myself or am I drawing blanks? Because if I put damage on myself, I'm dead. Whether it be immediately or to their incoming attack sort of thing. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I don't see it as that big of a deal. Um, you just you just have to. I mean, in, in a lot of decks nowadays, with the increased uh, card siftability through green, at the minimum, you just have to know what's good in certain matchups and get rid of the cards that aren't. Exactly. Yeah, it's something that, and I do like cars in general because of how it lines up against other things as well. Um, and just untapping things is such a powerful ability that it's hard to believe that anything's going to push it out like the car archetype in general i guess the i know we're focusing on new stuff in old stuff but have you given any thought to either stunticons or splashing stunticons or anything is confidence that important to you that you didn't want to go you know like one of the stunticons and a star card i just don't think that any one of the stunticons can affect the board as effectively as the prowl can right um, I mean, uh, if I had more blue, I could see the argument for, for drag strip. Um, I, confidence isn't that important. It helps certainly again to sift through your hand and get rid of the cards you don't need, but it's really just about the fact that like you can have really great turns with proud. The other issue is, um, proud gives you a second specialist in alt mode, yeah. which is really important. So now what you can do, um, there's, a full set of field communicators in the deck. Um, it gives you another active uh, upgrade that you play on a guy and and draw and discard a card with Wheeljack. So again, you're increasing the consistency of of your hand. The, the whole point of this deck and what makes this deck good, and I think I think the reason why people underrate this deck is again that whole factor of oh well, if I just have everything I need, then like why do I need to be a less powerful version of of whatever, which is essentially like in 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 isolation, the only thing that cars does best is have the best hands, like and do the best things every well, that, single turn. <laughs> I mean that that's that, that, I'm sorry, it's just but it's but it's, that, it's not it's that doesn't mean it's the most powerful thing. Though, you know what I mean? Well, yes, it's just hearing that statement is kind of funny, like out of context. It's just like, well, if I just do all the best things all the time, then you know. In context of what they, they can do. I, I know, say. yeah, I, I got you. Um, it, it, I guess put another way, Cars tends to have its ideal hands or plays frequently. And less bad hands. It gets itself out of bad hand situations, but I think people just don't take that in consideration because they only think of the most positive situation that occurs anyway. But, mm. but the Wheeljack ability and now combined with Field Communicator, which gives you a free play, mm. um, playing extra actions through Bumblebee, having untap effects give you more turns, which ultimately draws you more cards, ultimately gives you more actions, etc. The other thing I, I'll say is, I'm not sure 
if you told me to go play this deck tomorrow, uh, I will tell you that in two to three weeks, this deck will be extremely more powerful. Yeah, it's uh, not one that has quite the direct upgrades, not the card type, but you know, you're not just improving it immediately, I think, as compared to some of the other archetypes. Yeah, um, but this deck will make extreme use of work over time. Oh, uh, uh, I, sorry, I thought you meant just experience playing with the deck, but yeah, work yeah, over time is going to make also. a big deal, yeah. Yeah, but work over time is huge in this deck. There's uh, a lot of decks that I think are, are waiting for work over time. I mentioned that on Saturday when I was talking with a few people, that there's a, a bunch of builds in general where clearly Devastator and all his associated cards were in mind when they were building Wave 2. I don't know if it was originally supposed to be in the set and then it broke off or not, but clearly they knew that card was coming and that's why certain cards work the way they do. Yeah, I just think this deck with its ability to make full use of um, all its cards every turn. If, there's one video up there uh, now where you watch uh, I was playing the first the first updated iteration of cards versus a Starscream deck and I lost two games and won one, but you'll, even, you'll just notice how fast I blow through cards in my hand. Yeah. And so that's where work overtime will come into play huge. Absolutely. Uh, one other thing I wanted to call out is my favorite card, because uh, if you saw the video go up from the Adventurer's Guild event, we did talk about it briefly because it was present in a few different decks that people were playing this past Saturday, and that's specifically Steamroll. And, I mean, we talked about it at length already, so we don't have to rehash everything, but I have a feeling that when you have a Wheeljack who effectively has two weapons, his ability, and then probably another weapon, that Steamroll is going to get some work done. It's, again, only because of the Bumblebee ability, because what you can do in this deck that you can't do in others, mm -hmm. because, I, I mean, I'm sure you, uh, sure you can do it in others, because you can play Brainstorm while well, getting into that situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But this deck, the, the setup of this deck allows you to not only play, have the mobile ability, you can also play like a certain number of multi-mission gears if you wanted to, for example. Mm -hmm. um, so you you have a battle action and steamroll in the same turn. So like you can reckless charge and steamroll in the same turn on yeah. Wheeljack. I mean, obviously that's the same. Yeah. So like you can you can reckless charge, grenade launcher, steamroll all on the same turn, and not every other deck. Can not other deck other decks can't do that as effectively without use of um, specialists or um, mm. or by using the bumblebee effectively again without using brainstorm. So. And that may to anybody out there listening or watching, it may sound like a Christmas land scenario. But the thing is, is that you do see a lot more cards, whether it be through Wheeljack or again through the new bumblebee. So you can engineer those sort of turns. And I think you can engineer it relatively easily. Honestly. Right. Through, through, like, I think you can set up your, and it doesn't even have to be turn three because of all the untap effects. Like, you want that to be your first wheeljack attack, is attacking somebody random and then steamrolling. Yeah. I don't know that there's room to play more than two at max mm -hmm. uh, steamrolls, but I mean, I was only playing one and saw it pretty often. Uh, so I, I think it's a fine one of, and to get yourself to that, to that case, but I, it, it, it's going to depend on that. And, that situation really rears its head before we before we decide how many you really need to play. Right. Uh, anything else that stood out to you from Wave Two for specifically for cars? 
this is the best pressure advantage deck that I found as well. Can you elaborate on that for people that might? I know we've talked about magic terms and other things before, but what, why? What is that? And why do you say it? So, um, not only do you have a few dead cards in your in your double oranges and things like that that you don't. I mean, this is a pretty good piece for tyranny deck, but you don't always want to do that because your characters right. have value. Um, but this deck has always excelled at controlling the wheel turn. Right. So if, if you use press the advantage, you have more than one attacker. Um, you're going to be getting the minus, and assuming they have a Decepticon, you're going to get the minus two defense more often mm-hmm. um, for multiple attacks. So if they have like one guy, you like you know he's going to get the minus two multiple times throughout the attack. So it's basically going to give you like it's, it's almost going to be a minus four over time and a plus four over time. Because you, you control the wheel turn so effectively. Right. Um, even against non-Decepticon decks, even just getting a plus two attack on command still has value as a backup to um, to playing Reckless Charge on certain turns. So I think it... Right. Um, you see so many cards in this deck that, like, and during combat that I think it's just an effective use of it. That, that's something definitely worth repeating about this deck because of the way it plays that... Anybody who's played a number of card games, whether it's this one or others, you'll play a matchup or you're you're playing against an opponent and you say, well, if they have this thing, I lose. Or if they play their turns out in this fashion, I'm going to lose. Cars is probably going to have those cards because of how many things that they are they can do to sift through everything to go find the appropriate thing. So if you're, whatever you're playing happens to line up poorly against it, you better come up with a plan quick because cars is going to go find whatever it is that takes you apart. Yeah. They just have more access to, and they just have access to play more, more things in a turn. So. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that's cars, unless you had anything else you wanted to add on to it. No, I, it's just an ever evolving deck that like I need to get more games in with. Cause it's extreme. It's still extremely difficult to play. And now there's even more decision points. So. Yeah, that's for sure. It, it definitely did not get easier with wave two. No. So uh, this next one was, I guess we can call it a newcomer. Uh, it, specifically, it's All Hail Optimus. And I'm looking at it right now, and I have a typo in here. <laughs> I missed an E on Optimus Prime, but uh, at least I'm one of them. So anyway, uh, I didn't pull down the, the image. Uh, I actually had to retype the list, so that's why I had a typo in there. So apologies, everybody out there. Um, this was a list that you had kind of evolved from the old too tall prime list, the touch that you had written about way back when for packs. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this was the deck up until we got wave two and actually could start playing around with it. Correct. If you pay attention to Archon, you'll know, you would have seen ever since the deck, ever since I played the deck at one tournament, it dominated the next one. Right. So, I'm still surprised to see the number of people out there that still talk about how powerful Two Tall Primes is because this, to me, was just head and shoulders above it. So, I unfortunately was absent at those events, although I did follow along at home, follow the bouncing ball with uh, what happened at them, so I was aware of it. Tell us a little bit about this deck and, and what Wave 2 does for or against it. Uh, so, the deck design was essentially to keep Optimus protected as best as possible by playing three characters instead of two. Uh, the original version 
play starter Optimus as the seven drop just for redundancy and ion blasters and um, allow you to play the Matrix. Yep. Yeah. But what wound up happening, honestly, is the Matrix just wound up going on the main prime anyway, so it really didn't matter in the end. Um, Fair. So kind of, kind of some of the plays I saw as time went on. Um. So yeah, you had redundant targets for some of these upgrades, but like, yeah, I, I never had two ion blasters in play at the same time. So mm. it never really mattered. Um, it was just kind of a pipe dream to have them not be a dead card if op- if the large Optimus died or make the small Optimus into a relevant combat character if if you drew one and played it on him earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the team-up tactics wound up getting cut, so the fact that he was, it was an extra truck wound up meaning nothing. Um, and obviously Flame War is insane. Right. But now you have so many more trucks. Is it going back in? <laughs> no. no. I know you have a, a slightly different take on what the new characters are uh, as a replacement for what everybody lovingly calls Baby Prime. Um, do you want to elaborate on those? Because I'm... And I don't want to say that mine are right. They're probably wrong. But it was just... My initial thought was a different direction. So my initial thought didn't work um so um it's back to it, it's trying a secondary uh, option so uh, my initial rebuild of this deck was to use all autobots to be able to use confidence but that proved to just have too many oranges in the deck yes um so originally the list was rebuilt as hot rod as the seven cost and skydive as the fire drop um but the ubiquitous nature of bashing shield made that it made it impossible to, de- to depend on armor. And even though two of your characters had built in tough Optimus just wasn't protected enough when he constantly lost his armor. Right. Um, so it was during those games to see just how powerful bashing shield and how popular and how easy it was to get bashing shield. Um, that I think you have to go back to playing with flame more. And so your option here as a seven drop is either to continue to play hot rod um, or what I think is probably the better. I, I, if you really want to play another seven drop, the other option to get a secondary specialist is to play Sunstreaker. But I don't think that's as effective. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the best move now for this deck is to play flame or skydive and, um, and Optimus and rely on inborn tough on your guys, and then uh, use the extra extra pips to get additional blue cards. That's that actually where I was thinking of going. So it's it's <laughs> I I feel better now that I I wasn't completely off base because it was bothly bothly that's a word both for the innate tough and then also to allow access to some star cards. Yeah, when you have ten dual pip cards in your deck, I mean when you have eight dual pips in your card in your mm. deck as opposed to six, it does significantly help the math of the deck. So did you at all look at uh Bolt of Lightning or any of the other ones, or did you immediately get drawn to, hey, I want eight double blues? The only way to survive now is tough as opposed to armor. Right. So you have to have you you can't cut you can't decrease blues to increase other colors so mm-hmm. you you have to like flame War has to be in there um and 
you can, the only color you can really afford to add is more whites. And that's where I think having the two five cost specialists to play three field communicators really helps the deck as well, just to play more cards. Makes sense. Now the, so the, I, and off the top of my head, I don't recall the new double blue card. It, what is it? Energy shield or energy field or something like that. Energi- yeah. Energized field. Or something Energized like that. field. That's what it is. So I just pulled it up right now. Where I'm I'm going with this is it actually well? Do you even have any? Or, I guess you're running some yeah. oranges, but it's there's still some. Point being is if you field communicator it, you could hypothetically play it. I doubt. I don't know if you ever would. I mean, it's not going to do anything for that turn because if you're field communicatoring, it's on your turn. It's not going to add any to your attack but I don't know if it's worth putting it in play and decreasing the double blues that are cycling. No, you still have a certain token amount of armor that's in the deck. I would still play like five armors Mm -hmm. in the deck just in case they don't get bashing shield. And I would obviously also play espionage to get rid of their bashing shield, which again was not in my test list and still needs to be tested. Um, Mm -hmm. So you, you're, you're increasing weights in the deck. You, you want to play, I wish we had its name, the plan card. The um, utility security console. Yeah, you want to play your security console again. You instead of depending on armor, you depend on security console and tough um, for your defensive uh, plan, for lack of a better term. Uh-huh. Um, and that to me is a better outlet to go than to relying on armor. So I want to play armor, but I wouldn't rely on it. Right. Um. And then espionage is an, is an active answer to um, to not only bashing shield but to a lot of cards, assuming they have it in their hand. Right. And the fact that you can do this um, through the optimist ability is powerful. So you are gaining more. There's a little bit more white in the deck than was in there before. But um, in general, I think you have to rely on tough and blue and just naturally getting more blues than you can on armor nowadays. So something that comes up in other games that I've found hasn't quite, and again, maybe I'm doing it wrong, it's still early in Wave 2, but the the disenchant conundrum as far as if your opponent has a removal spell for a removal card for a specific card type that you're running that's important, so in this case armor and bashing shield specifically, the options are either run none of them, make those cards dead, or run a whole bunch of them and overload it. Given the way Transformers games seem to play out, at least right now, I don't think the overload plan really works. And it, I, no. I, I'm struggling to picture a scenario where it would, just by virtue of the way the game, you interact with your opponent. So you slam an armor on, say, Optimus. You get in. It doesn't matter that next turn you can play another armor, because if they remove it now... They've already done the damage. Correct. Uh, so and that, you can't you can't do that at all. Exactly. So that's something that may for other listeners that are coming from other games or hear about things from other games. That's something that doesn't really apply here. And as a result, that's why we keep harping on bashing shield as having such a humongous impact, influencing how decks are built. And that's why Scott is describing that tough when it actually says it on the character text matters so much more now. Right. I'm struggling to say, like, I was kind of hoping 
not that I have a problem with Flame War, but she was such a, or was the de facto answer. It's like, oh, I have five stars. What do I do? I'll put in Flame War. Uh, <laughs> that I was hoping that she wouldn't be as common now, but I'm anticipating I'm going to still see a lot of her. Um, in, yeah, I, I think so. I think that she still remains the most powerful five drop, even with combiner pieces. So I would imagine. So do you feel that this particular build, it, whether, so it's Optimus Flame War thing, whatever that, that other character happens to be a five, six or seven cost, the same predators and prey still apply for this deck. You don't think that, I mean, obviously we've been discussing bashing shield and how it influences what characters you're running, but the matchups where it performs well versus where it's it's going to fall short still feel the same to you, even with the... Uh, obviously, you know, we haven't played every matchup, but does it seem, at least initially, that's where it's going? Yeah, I just don't know if there's new... I mean, there's there's plenty of new Predators in Prey, and that's part of the problem. Right, until we feel everything um, out. Yeah, so, like, I, I don't... Like, I think Security Console will go along against, like, five-wide combiner teams. Um, but you're in a situation with Optimus against a lot of these combiner teams where the, the overkill factor is, is, is going to be a threat, where, like, you don't need to yeah. do 13 damage anymore. You don't need to do 15 damage anymore. Um, so, you know, there's a hidden... The Optimus's ability to 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 gain extra attacks because he does essentially, you know, in the old system, basically did enough damage in one turn to be the equivalent of of two, right? Isn't as big of a factor against a lot of these five wide teams, and so I haven't mm -hmm. tested enough against those decks to really know. Um, but that's something I, I I have to be aware of. But I do believe, like Security Console, will give a lot of play because you're just going to basically be able to get a lot of use out of it by drawing a card every single time he's attacked. And obviously he's a lightning rod to be attacked. So of course one of the, we only played a, a one game, which again is on the, the video that was posted up, I think yesterday. So it would be two oh, last Tuesday by the time this goes live. Yeah. Um, we only played one game and it was my blue Predacons into a three wide Optimus build. And now, the Predacons, because they are Decepticons, they have access to Scoundrel's Blaster, obviously, and then therefore I had a Pierce guy. I was able to push through for enough, and I don't believe he saw a security console. And then eventually, because, as you said, the overkill was irrelevant on Optimus, and the medium-sized guy plus Flame War basically did zero damage, so I was able to form Predaking... And go, okay, well, my guy is much bigger than Optimus. And then just go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. Whether that is going to be the case for all the Combiner teams or not is another story. Right. It depends on how the, what the build is. Yeah, I know a lot of people have been focused on orange-ish or orange-based Combiner teams. I don't know if that's where they will ne necessarily end up. Agreed. Um... So, any other thoughts on All Hail Optimus, since that one, I would imagine we're also going to see this one a lot, similar to, to Bugs Cars. I feel, because of the 
the stress involved in the deck, it doesn't seem to be very common or very popular. Whereas bugs and, well, bugs are, you know, you just, not just turn guys sideways, but. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know that this is where, I don't think this build is where it needs to be yet. So I don't really have that much more there. Mm Mm-hmm. Would you say that you're like? Are you expecting that this weekend we're going to see a lot of this, or some I variation? If they continue to to play the old way, they're going to get smashed. Mm-hmm. I would ah. agree. But if they adapt, that doesn't mean they have to adapt necessarily to even using different characters. They could use whatever characters they want. But if they don't, if they don't adapt, the the con the defensive concept that they continue to rely on uh armor they're gonna lose yeah it becomes a much more highlighted achilles heel like this is an old nes game and that that's the area of the boss that's flashing like <laughs> right it's gonna right. go away and then you're you're gonna need some recovery time afterwards yeah uh it is still. It does still seem to have a lot of juice left in it, though. I mean, let's face it. Optimus can still do really absurd things. So, yeah, I have. Like I said, I haven't tested against enough with combiners, and I haven't tested enough with this completely new lineup with star cars and things like that at all. I just think conceptually, it's where you need to go with control decks is to focus on inborn tough than it is to focus on armor. Makes sense. And you can focus on security console and as well. The other advantage Optimus has is that the Ion Blaster still gives you armor. So, I mean, it's certainly not not out of the meta. (laughs) Right. right. But if you're not running, if you you had decks before that were poorly built, two tall versions that weren't running Ion Blasters, you're even, you're not in a good position because you need that plus one armor from a second source that's not susceptible to, to Bashing Shield. Yeah. Again, it's just a matter of those, that one turn where your opponent, yep. you know, you finally get, okay, my Optimus is ready to go. Let's get in there. And then your opponent says, okay, we'll turn. I'm just going to hammer him because I'm going to bashing shield that body armor or that reinforced plating out of there and then just tee off on him. Yep. So got to be on the lookout for it. Bashing shield should be showing up in a lot of places. So be aware. Um, any other thoughts on Optimus before we move on? Nope. Should be good. So the last one we had on our list, and this one's not a joke, but it's just kind of up there. Um, And then I'll kind of leave the floor open to any other ideas you have, Scott, that you want to run through that we didn't prep ahead of time. So this is Metroplex. And uh, maybe by the time this goes up, maybe not, you'll have a write-up of my experience with Metroplex uh, from this past weekend and just in general in Wave 2. I actually feel like it, he might be in a decent position, depending on how things shake out. Is it something that was even on your radar up to this point, Scott? Metroplex is never on my radar. I have nothing to add. You're, this is all you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then I will give everybody... All right, here we go, folks. Let's, let's go. So I here's the reason I think Metroplex is actually a thing. And again, this will this is in the, the write-up. I think that a lot of its natural predators... So. When I was playing Metroplex, I had a lot of issues with the two tall prime builds. Now, I didn't get to play it against the three wide ones. Maybe it has, runs into the same issues, but the bottom line is, is that against the two tall lists, so Optimus Nemesis, basically they had two Metroplexes and you had one. And 
yes, you could sometimes go off. Sometimes you'll tap them down or sometimes you'll just, you know, flip three piece through tyrannies or something like that. But most of the time they just get two Metroplexes. You can't kill them fast enough. They kill you. Now, because of the combiner teams, because of bugs, because of these wider setups, I feel you're in a better position because, okay, well, I'll just kill that guy and reset the board. And now you take away their entire advantage of having more guys. The bigger thing to me, though, is some of the new cards specifically, you now have nine transform effects. So, I mean, just the simple math of you have nearly one in every four cards is going to be get a mini bot. Previously, it was actually kind of a struggle to even get all three mini bots out in a game, let alone have them be around to do something. Now it's just kind of, oh, well, I'll I'll get a mini bot out there. Oh, and I'll do something else on my turn too. So you, you have a lot more in the way of setting him up, and it feels way more consistent. Additionally, you now have backup beam to be a effectively permanent flamethrower. Uh, you can I like power punch simply because you can do a transform effect. So Metroplex is in bot mode. You transform, get a mini bot, transform back, play power punch, and if you got one of the two guys that gives you both, you've now built your own height advantage. And then you get in there and hopefully reset the board. I don't know. I I, I like it, but we'll see. I think I think it's the fact that your two most important card types, the permanent bold weapon and the transformer effects both have green on them. Yeah. Um Absolutely. I mean obviously the transformer effects is just additional copies of essentially what you wanted rapid conversion for. Right. Um is what's most important. So I mean I'm sure you won many more games in wave 1 when you had Flamethrower on Metroplex than what you did. Of course. So now, now, especially when going second, you're just going to have... I, I keep, I'm not going to do the math. It's on my head because Metroplex decks are so oh, yeah. strange. <laughs> it, it would, be, it would be complicated to do. But um, I, you're basically doubling your hand size. If yeah. you, if you, especially if you go second, like you're basically seeing what... You're, you're probably going to see four more cards, especially with all the white that's in the deck. Exactly. Um, so you... you Instead of having, and I can't do the math off the top of my head, like, you know, the 1 out of 40 plus 1 out of 39 plus 1 out of 38, etc. 3 out of 40, 3 out of 39, etc. The math to get a specific card. You have to go now 8 cards deep. With backup beam. Right. So, it's just going to be way more consistent. Like, it's, it's, it's more than 100% more consistent, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, the... The issue I ran into both at the event and in general is it, it's going to be a matter of what Predators show up for this deck. Like, I don't like the Dinobot matchup. I am I haven't played against it, but I'm assuming Cars is going to be equally bad, maybe worse. Dinobots is obvious. It's going to be orange-based. Putting a minibot in front of Grimlock is a big mistake <laughs> most of the time. Um, and Cars is going to be the same boat where it's they have enough medium to large sized attackers that me stealing an attack may not influence them that much and it, like any given attacker can just go nuts i'm so not going to come down to it's going to come down to how many how many if steamroll seeps play and 
basically a lot of it's that. And like you said, just how many quality attacks they can get at different times. Exactly. Uh, I think the deck is a lot more consistent as you were describing. The, the math just favors it now. more. Well, maybe not just now, but more so than it did previously. And you also, because of Wave 2, just by virtue of only having one set, the card quality and options were obviously going to be limited. You only have so many orange pips, so many blue pips, so many white pips. And that's the one that really matters is you were kind of forced into playing things because you what else are you going to run? There are only so many right. copies. And I'm, I don't want to be running Piercing Blaster. <laughs> uh, now you can run things like Secret Dealings. You can run things like Escape Route. And these are cards that, like you said, are green. So it gets those improvised shields or piece through tyrannies that may be stranded in your hand back into the rotation either directly into your scrap pile or on top of your deck so then you can set up a trigger. You know, there's a lot of interplay that increases the consistency for it. So I do like the the deck. I think it may do well initially just because everybody's trying out combiners. And I think it lines up well against combiners. The problem is, is that I don't know if that's going to continue or we'll we'll have to wait and see. I also think it potentially uh, does poorly against Starscream. Well, but you you might have played that already. I don't know. Well, I did. We uh, I lined up against Dan. Uh, now he had okay. some pretty poor hands. I will readily admit. Um, but the thing is, is that Starscream may he probably going to have to two shot Metroplex. And the yeah, question is, so the, the question is how many, can you force that two shot or will it become a three shot? Can you steal any attacks or can you cripple Starscream? You know, there, there, there's a number of different factors in play, but yeah, Starscream, I haven't played it enough to decide whether it's good or bad yet. It doesn't seem much different than like the all Optimus matchup. So, which I think, again, would have been more in... Metroplex's favor than the too tall, like you were saying. Because it, it sounds to me like it comes down to the number of the number of impressive threats your opponent has, mm. and there seems to be less of those in general. Yeah. There just aren't as many. Like you said, I guess cars would be the closest thing to having two decent attackers nowadays than, than other decks would. Yeah, in the one thing that came up both in in playing on Saturday against Starscream, but also likely would come against All Hail Optimus, is if you're against a, we'll call it a one attacker deck, because for all intents and purposes, you know, an All Hail Optimus Flame War, you're not really classifying yeah. as an attacker, yeah, that totally. sort of thing. Totally. Yeah, you can just set up turns where okay, now I will pop out a mini bot and go. Well, you have to attack that guy. Have fun, right? You know, right. If you can engineer that and then force it so that, say, Barrage or Hot Rod or whoever is the one that's slamming into Metroplex, clearly you're much happier then. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, easier said than done, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> depending on how things come out, but that is the game plan anyway. So that's kind of the long and the short of Metroplex. Like I said, there'll be a write-up up there at some point. Uh, were there any other decks that you're... Those were the four ones that we wanted to bring up, but anything else that you wanted to talk about that you had thought of, Scott, in between when we started and now? Um, I mean, we mentioned Dinobots offline. Mm. I, I really don't think they gain a whole lot other than improved battle cards the same way that the other decks have, really. Right. Um, they actually had a decent matchup against Optimus during Wave 1. 
because again they just had you couldn't one shot them very easily so like they just had a decent amount of large attackers and I think again things like um reckless charge and bashing shield will help them as well well I think they the, the they base versions I don't think their matchups change and I think that's the problem is that they're still good against the things that they were good against but they didn't get any help against the things that they aren't good against. Right. No help against bugs, no help against... I don't really know what else their natural predators were, but... Yeah, well, bugs... I mean, it, it's kind of hard to play a deck if bugs is one of the biggest issues, because they're going to be there, and they're going to chew you alive. Um, I don't know. I, I don't... I haven't seen any cards or any different builds for Dinobots, including with the actual new Dinobots themselves. There's some, there is that uh, mining pick interaction with the new sludge. I don't know if that's really better than just running snarl. Outside of okay, well now he won't get one shot by an opposing battlefield legend just on turn one randomly. Well, he still costs eight. eight so he doesn't cost seven, so you actually have to run it over the old sludge, right? Does he cost eight? I could have sworn he cost yeah. seven as well. Okay, well nah, then there goes that idea. Womp womp. Yeah. I mean, the the interaction is still there, but that doesn't uh, allow you to, to run that lineup. No, the only change I would make, potentially, is if you have enough greens in your deck, and I do not think that Dinobots are as good at running a plethora of greens as other decks are, mm. because again, like something like cars, you have the ability to play more than one card, in a like more than two cards in a turn, so the green actually comes into play more often. Um, you could consider running the new Swoop over the old snarl um which i would probably do if i had enough green in the deck even then i don't know if if snarl had one more health so that he doesn't randomly get one shot like that or just be crippled and then die to a burn spell immediately thereafter i don't know if i'd ever want to remove him because even early you know turn one you could air quotes plan improvise shields or whatever on top of your deck and get in for a significant chunk on turn one with him losing essentially three attack on by going with swoop i don't know if you're playing to the deck's strength by recurring green pips that's fair i um, also think what you can i also think what you can do is you can similar to cars go the heavier specialist route yeah with the old swoop um, over Snarl, and I guess you would only gain one star at that point. Um, I, I think the deck needs to adjust itself to where it's using some number of mountain missiles. I think that's the only way it can compete nowadays. Would make sense. I don't know if that's going to, again, and I think you agree, so I'm not putting you in the position of trying to defend it but i don't know if it's really going to help it out against the things that it's struggled against specifically insecticons probably not uh, i i mean uh, it's not a deck i'm a huge fan of i don't think the deck actually does anything better than any other deck mm. um the only thing it ever had going for it was basically grimlock and now you i'm not trust me steamroll is not grimlock like steamroll steamroll copies the ability but having it built in with a six power attacker for 10 like i mean just imagine that the new bumblebee had grimlock ability instead of whatever other <laughs> yeah. abilities he has like right he'd be he'd be better but um 
but really that's all the deck ever was. It uh-huh. was really decently hard to kill guys. One easy to kill guy. Sludge was difficult to kill, but like it was basically just it, it was almost the equivalent of all in except for you're all in on Grimlock because Sludge keeps him alive. Um and Snarl just I don't know, does things, draws your cards when you after you dino chop, I don't know. Yeah. Um <laughs> so so I really feel like the deck I think now, I think you just need to go more, I think Grimlock is going to be popular in the meta, but I don't think it's, I don't, I still don't think it's a solely Dinobot list, just as I thought it was at the end of Wave 1, I didn't think it should be uh, an all Dinobot list. Their, their card, their card pool just doesn't impress me, because they're basically based on getting more bold, and that's something that almost anybody can do, like, is supercharged that much worse than Dino Chomp? Like, eh, not yeah. really. It's not that much worse. Especially because it's orange Steel, itself. Is Jaws of Steel that much better than Matrix? Eh, kind of. Yeah. Not really. Like, you know, like... So, I, I just don't think they did it particularly well, and I'm not really sure that the new cards help that much. And it, it's weird to say, because they... For that sort of deck where it's, I just want to get bold 9 million, and go nuts it has the cards to do it because of the grimlock ability obviously because then you're not just you know wasting all of the extra bold you also have one of what people always say is one of the most unfair abilities in being able to i still function back sludge or just Mm -hmm. you know just heal up your whole team so it feels as though there should be something there but it just because it struggles against insecticons even if it does put up I think, decent numbers against some of the other blue decks. Because, again, you have multiple threatening attackers. And you can randomly make any one of them into a humongous threat by dino-chomping them. Or, like you said, supercharge or whatever the the case happens to be. Um, It's just... I don't know. I can't justify it myself playing it. And I really want to play Dinobots just because I love Grimlock. I love all the Dinobots. (laughs) But... I don't know. I I can't. I tried really hard, and I can't find a way to make it work. Unfortunately, I think I do think he alone though does represent um, a powerful answer to combiner decks. Yes. So I do think as a ten drop in general, and I, I have said this before when it came to like conversations about hunker down, and when it came to conversations about probably about Dinobots in general, like there's no reason you can't just run Grimlock as your only Dinobot and still run some number of dino chomps and then because he happens to be a leader some number of matrices etc right and you have a you have a natural predator to um to combiner teams yep which is which is unique considering like the predacons came out to fight the dinobots but he actually was <laughs> being a natural predator well and, the like, good guys they have to win devastator as well so <laughs> they're the good guys they have to win so yeah and even as you said even if you don't want to go the, the the go all in on Dinobots, whether it's with characters or Dino Chomp, like you said, is Supercharge may not be that bad on its own, and obviously it'll work with the remainder of your team, whatever you fill the other fifteen stars out with. Um, yeah, yeah, I just think he's still a, he remains powerful. I just don't know if the, the team. The, I mean, I know the team hasn't really gained anything other than the same battle cards other the other uh, old decks have, and I think the other right. decks always did it better. So. I wish Energized Spikes 
and it, this would probably be ridiculous, but if Energize spikes, <laughs> well, I yeah, I was gonna say if it did damage equal to the number of flipped oranges, so instead of doing one, it did at least two. I don't know if that would be enough, or if it would be too much. Uh, but it <laughs> doing only the one feels real bad. Yeah, agreed. And and you can whiff on the one if you randomly hit a Dino Chomp or something. It's it's gonna feel real bad. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, were there any other decks aside from Dinobots that happened to stick in your mind after Wave One? Not that I can think of, because I don't. I can't think of any other big decks that were even in the meta. I mean, I still don't like tanks. I still don't like planes. Yeah, as their own unique decks. So, um... well, I think planes will be a thing, but not really because they're planes. It just yeah. accidentally is planes, kind of. Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with bombing run or yeah. Um... They... And as much as I love bombing run, like I'm cutting it out of some of the planes list. And by planes, I mean it's Dreadwing decks. Like yeah. <laughs> those are the planes. Um... I think the hunker down ruling with spirit plating helps, but then immediately gets nullified by the sheer number of battery fuels that exist in the meadow, so I still think tanks remain unplayable. Right. Um, specifically this time, not due to their own fault, just due to battery fuels. <laughs> um, well, even then, I am, I don't remember if we brought it up on the last show or not, but I was trying Blitzwing, Dark Mount X for a while, because they both, you know, they're both decent tanks, Blitzwing protects Dark Mount, and then you can try and utilize Hunker Down for, like you said, to get superior plating and do other stuff. They just don't do enough on their yeah. own. And even outside of, um, to bring it back to more other assorted Wave 1 things, I was trying Blitzwing or Drag Strip along, uh, alongside uh, Slipstream. Just because it's, okay, well, you get greens, they all kind of want to play together. Uh, she wants multiple pips, they want multiple pips. Again, it just, I don't know if it's, I think it's just a matter of there aren't enough, there's not enough variety for those the things that they want to not be forced into, well, I have to play this thing because I don't have a choice, you know. Kind of yeah. like where Metroplex was in Wave 1. I guess the only other I guess the only other card like we didn't have a great shockwave list, so like I haven't thought about whether or not you could just update that with using Fog of War, mm. and where that comes into play. I really can't speak to this at all because I just don't know. I mean, obviously, specials got got huge additions in um, in field communicator, so that clearly helps that deck. And the deck we had during wave one was uh, Wheeljack, uh, Shockwave, Flame War. Right, and it played pretty well. Um, and I think by adding Fog of War, it may help that deck. It's just not something I've tried. That's um, the home for Testify. There you go. Yeah, it helps Espionage. Like it gets Espionage and Fog of War. So like, mm -hmm. um, there's both of those, and then um, so yeah, it's it's helped a lot. Um, it's just not something I've tried. I, I I do think. Like the combiner teams hurt it a lot because they just have more damage to spread around. Um, again, outside the like the Sentinel and Dreadwing type lists, like you know, playing against five wide with 
take a damage wherever you want is probably not going to be very impactful. So yeah, even if you system uh, reboot for four plus, it's still like okay, I'll just put one on each guy and call it a day. Yeah. Um, it's really yeah, yeah. I think that hurts him a lot. So. Right. But we'll see. Uh, any no uh, thoughts for Jetfire? I guess Bashing Shield kind of ruined his yeah, plans as well. It, exactly. I, I just I'm just surprised that like I mean that flipping out over that ruling has really died down when people finally start to see that how how many Bashing Shields there are out there. Right. Um, it's just not as powerful. Um, I don't know. Like the, the main thing to keep in mind is that. Not necessarily the highest number of of star characters, but like a lot of your and you said this multiple times. A lot of your seven, eights, and nines, six, seven, eights, and nines. I guess you could say uh-huh. um, the ones from Wave One are still where you're filling out those deck slots a lot of the time. So, right. Um, if you if you have that many number of stars remaining, chances are you're still going to be using a Wave One character to supplement Wave Two. So, if there were individually powerful characters that saw play in various decks you should still be looking to exploit whatever the powerful nature of them was so like i still expect to see a lot of wheeljack i still expect to see a lot of grimlock i still expect to see you know a lot a lot of a lot of flame war a lot of barrage. right um even outside of the the teams that you would typically uh, put them with because like you know to me barrage is still the best seven um in general right. um, although I, I do think some of the sentinels have play um, so yeah, that's the big thing that, you know, a lot of those in between uh, outside of, again, of course, the combiner teams, um, when you're just trying to use some of these new characters, you're probably going to have to pair them with what we want equivalents. Right. Um, so just, just be aware of that. So I guess with that, we can kind of start closing up shop, but one other question for you. So you'd mentioned it earlier and again, unless you have anything else that you want to throw in, no. so I don't want no. to cut you off. Uh, no. Since you had brought up work overtime earlier and Devastator as a whole, is there anything, I guess, specifically work overtime? Do you think that pushes anything? Like, I mean, we just spent a while talking about how we don't feel Dinobots really is there and it's not really getting a lot of help. And I don't think work overtime is going to be the thing that pushes it over the edge. But are there any decks in your mind that you're waiting on work overtime for that are now, okay, this is a deck from wave one that this is what it needed the whole time. I'll take that as a no. I'm, well, I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, okay. It helps, it helps the car. It helps the cars list tremendously. Right. Of the decks we've talked about tonight, it helps the cars list tremendously. Um, trying to, th- I, I may I may play as a one of an optimist X, especially the ones that are three wide that can use again. The whole point of work overtime is that it's most powerful in decks that can make the best use of both phases during a turn. You're naturally just going to be out of cards if you do that. So right. whichever decks are able to do that right now, to me, it's it's the optimist builds and the cars builds and. That, that are able to do that most effectively. Even Insecticon builds can't always just naturally play their entire hand out of the time. Um, so I think that while they may run it as a one or two of, because it, when you're in those situations, you just want to continue to fill up your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's really like Dreadwing, 
Constructicons. Um, really, a lot of the combiners seem to run low on cards because you yeah. just have so many more turns. Absolutely. Um, that are going to make the most effective use of that card. But I would say of the older deck, um, Optimus is a one of, and Cars as a two to three of, probably will we'll want to see that card most. Yeah, if tanks were a thing, maybe Dark Mount would care, but tanks, don't, they're not a thing. <laughs> uh, no, they can't survive, that's all. Yeah, that did, well, that's why, like I said, I was trying the Blitzwing thing, because, okay, well, Blitzwing will soak it, but then you're, you just do nothing in your attack phase, which is kind of a big deal. <laughs> it, it matters in a few a few games of this that you might play. Um, I guess, the, well, one yeah. other point, I guess... Any deck that uses Mining Pick should look to use work over time. So Insecticon should run one or two of it. So Yeah, I'm expecting that. I'm curious where the slots will come from because uh, I squeeze in Espionages in my version in lieu of Crowns. Not Crowns plural, but a Crown, I believe. And I forget what the other thing was. I may only be running one. I'd have to double check. But... I'm I'm curious where the slots are going to come from because obviously you don't want to start subtracting from your oranges too much more, but you do want certain number of white pips, and specifically the crowns are not just white pips, but also upgrades, so they can be found with certain things, specifically treasure hunt. So I'm we'll have to see where that one shapes up. I think it has to take at least one of the treasure hunt slots in most decks. It would make um, sense. I I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I also think that anything we haven't talked about, if there was a, from an aggro version that was considering using pick before, should heavily consider it once work over time comes out and just run right almost six of those cards guaranteed in any one of the decks to start with. So I don't think there was anything else old decks that care much about the Insecticons other than this caveat, um, and this only came up as a result of a newer build. So. One of the Dreadwing builds that I'm considering is the Dreadwing Parts Flame War Random Constructicon. Uh, just so that you can fill out that four drop slot. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if there's... I mean, planes were kind of like that, where it's like Thundercracker, uh, Slipstream, other stuff. Because uh, there isn't a good nine drop Decepticon that you want to use in those sort of things. I don't think that going double plane flame war constructicon is necessarily what you want to do but hypothetically that could be a thing i'm not sure um i also like windblade wheeljack constructicon over metroplex part so what what makes I, you want to go that route as opposed to a metroplex part <laughs> yeah just because they're if they're just stats i think Six guns bigger than all of them, isn't he? No, they have like doesn't hook has like seven health. There's oh, like okay. X seven one or something like that, and Scrapper's I... like X seven. Well, Scrapper's something. five, so he's right. Oh yeah, he costs five. You're right. yeah, I think he's... Hook is X seven two. I can look it up. I think there, there's definitely now that you said it, there definitely is one that that's seven here. I'm looking at it right now. We got Bone Crusher at four, who's the one that's always in my head, and I'm like, oh, well, he has four health. Who cares? Hook is seven. Long haul is six. Mixmaster's four. Scavenger's five. And then Scrapper we talked about. Um, none of them look like... I mean, Hook has no defense, but if he's just 
there to be a force field. I mean, who cares? Right. So I think um, that's better than than random Metroplex card, personally. I mean, I could, Although, I could see it. Long haul might be okay if it's an orange base deck with two six one, mm. bold one. Right. That's a, that has potential too. Again, I think that's better than a Metroplex card, don't you? Well, the Metroplex parts are effectively blank. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> unless you anticipate that six gun is somehow going to live and be able to flip into his four attack mode, which is like, I that's asking more to align in your favor than some of these other bizarre scenarios that people concoct. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and I can't imagine, you know, Slammer, as much as I want to run him, if he had four health, I think he would be run a lot, but he just doesn't have four health, so he just dies. Yes. He just doesn't, so... <laughs> um, that's, that's the bottom line. Hmm. So other than I, I'm looking at my old Wave 1 list, and like you mentioned Shockwave, I mean... For a while, I was joking around trying to build a medic base build, not the card medic, but, you know, just, like, a lot of heals to see if you could out actually out-heal things. And, spoiler alert, no, you can't. Um, yeah. I'm looking at other stuff to see if there was anything else that I was missing that I wanted to bring up, but I think we pretty much covered it. There, was there anything else? Like, you don't have a Cosmos build in, waiting in the wings or something? No, I don't think any of the... I don't think any of the combo based cards got helped at all. I don't think like I don't think like basing your deck on Nemesis type builds got that much help either. Mm. Um, you don't, I don't think, think there's anything to help. I was gonna say for Nemesis, you don't think that uh, the addition of greens really did anything since you're already you know flipping your whole deck over. I mean, you're you were a defensive bold deck in the old school versions, so mm. um, it just gives you. I guess it quote it gives you a reason to make to run power sword because it, it turns it into a, a deck shifting and en shifting engine. Right. So it's like it's like defensive bold almost in a way. So it makes it it makes the deck more consistent from a power level perspective, but I got I still think there's it's not that great of a deck to begin with, so Yeah, it it's again, it's all in on one guy and it's just yeah. I mean I guess the you do get steamroll now, so I guess maybe, you know, if you can do it quickly enough and then pump him up, but even then there are other decks that hit that a much higher ceiling than that one will and would be better homes for a steamroll type effect. Right. So, well, I think that'll pretty much do it for us, folks. Uh, any other thoughts, anything, shout outs or anything coming up that you wanted to bring up, Scott, before we close out? No, like I said this week, just look for coverage of these events that have been there recently and, and some new articles that'll be out there. Um, and I guess next week we'll probably start to tackle some of the newer lists that we've uh, been toiling around with that'll involve probably more new cards, I would say, especially on the character side. I would think that's what we'll probably yeah. talk about next week. We'll have more experience playing uh, some of the newer characters as well, uh, especially this weekend. Uh, so what just if, if that's what you're I know it's probably what most people are clamoring for, so uh, just be ready for that for next week. Yeah, we want to make sure that we have some more informed opinions and we're not, you know, just throwing ideas out there. We did do that for a while since we were covering all the cards with all our hot takes. Now it's time to put some work in and do some homework. So uh, yep. we're going to see if we can get that done both in testing sessions and at the tournament coming up this week. And here's my, my plug that I do every time. Talk to your stores. 
let them know you want to run tournaments. Try and let people know in the, the various regional groups, whether it's on Facebook or Discord or whatever. Keep keep the interest and if, going. And uh, don't be afraid don't be afraid to travel to events because just due to the due to the isolated pocket nature of this game, you're you might just have to you know get in a car and travel for a bit. Yeah, it's, and one of the things that, and not to keep you, Scott, one of the things I want to throw out there about that, it's good you brought it up, is that it, as silly as it sounds, especially because I'm a grown adult, I've been living on my own for a while, but it's like you do really do make new friends and it's worth getting out of the house to go play just to be out for a day, you know what I mean? And then maybe for the next event, it's like, oh, those guys are pretty cool. Maybe I'll carpool with them to the next one that's in, you know, the other state in the other direction sort of thing or the other city that that's the other way or you know it's something like that uh yep. a lot of the really i mean scott and i had met from playing other games and it helps when you there's something special about being able to sit in front of somebody both in general and then also when it's a new experience at a tournament at a new store i always like going to new stores it's always cool to be oh well this store does things this way that sort of stuff yeah i agree so that's my my usual plug for uh, we'll, we'll call it organized play. You know, <laughs> make it happen, folks. So anyway, enough rambling. That'll do it for us tonight. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And tune in next time for more randoms thoughts.